This is African Talk, where we bring you the latest news and views about the continent. In this episode, we take a look at media freedom in South Africa and what unfolded in 1977 when certain publications were banned and a number of black consciousness organizations were declared illegal. This is episode 2. Welcome to the second episode of African Talk. I'm your host, Shifan Reykliff, and today, let's talk about Black Wednesday. Firstly, what is Black Wednesday and how is it relevant today? According to South African History Online, on the 19th of October 1977, the apartheid government banned certain media publications. This raised questions around media freedom and the credibility of journalists. And just prior to this, 10 members of the South African Student Organization were arrested for organizing rallies and being part of the Black Consciousness Movement. Liberation struggle war veteran and a former member of the Pan-African Parliament, Pandelane Nefolovodwe, was among those who were sentenced to six years in prison on Roman Island. Now, in 1977, two very important events occurred. In September 1977, Steve Biko was murdered, who was then, as everybody knows, a person who symbolized the Black Consciousness Movement. After the killing of Steve Biko, the system did not feel comfortable with uh, having 19 other organizations pursuing the same goal. So on the 19th of October, the same year, 1977, then the system decided that no organization that uh, subscribes to the Black Consciousness Movement and Black Consciousness as a philosophy must exist. I was there when uh, the Black Consciousness Movement was hounded uh, during 1974 with something called the Viva Freely Morali, which covered a wide area, but uh, the rallies were uh, held at, uh, in Durban, at Carisfontein, and also at Teflop. And then we got rounded up, all of us, to go to jail. So we were charged for belonging to the Black Consciousness Movement. We were also charged for believing in Black Consciousness. So Black Consciousness was on trial. And, and finally, we were, we were 13 in all, and some of them got acquitted uh, on the way. But uh, ultimately, we ended up uh, being nine of us. I think if you remember very well, it used to be called the Sasso Nine. Yeah, the accused number one is now the person who appear on your uh, platform from time to time called Professor Seth Cooper. So Pandelani, it's been many years later and a lot has changed. We now have social media and of course you know that everyone is a journalist. So my question to you is, what do you think has the Black Consciousness Movement taken a different form now in the era of social media? Yes, it has to do that. Otherwise, uh, you must remember, uh, society, that it's not static. Uh, society moves from one form to the other, depending on what is happening at a given time and moment. Now, when I grew up, uh, I would not have even thought there would be social media because it wasn't there. Right? Even toys, in where I grew up, even toys, we used to take uh, small bricks 
and uh, makes them <laughs> look like uh, some cars that other people buy as toys. So as time goes on, uh, our parents also come in, they were able to uh, afford some of these things. So society then uh, dictates that you've got to change with the circumstance. And also you might remember, in black consciousness we, take, we, we say it is an existential philosophy. It is a philosophy that is governed by the existing condition at a given time and moment. And that when those existing conditions are detrimental to the life of people, you've got to challenge uh, those elements of that society that tend to degrade people, that make them subhuman. So you have to say, today in 2022, if you are doing ABC, Black consciousness will deal with it. So that, that's really the essence, just to explain in a, in a simpler form. Now, let me introduce you to our second guest, Kim Heller, who is a political analyst. Kim, looking at the state of media in South Africa, do you think South African media remains divided? Media is in a sorry state today. There are no media houses or journalists, in my view, that really focus on serving the public good. Rather, media houses are divided along factional elitist lines. The different media houses, in my view, in South Africa, are not all that different. They act with favor and prejudice in defending their own interests and that of their favorite politicians and business people. And in the midst of all of this, ordinary citizens are not well served by the journalism of today. What we need to revert to is the people-focused, nation-building journalism of Dr. Agri-Cluster during his term many, many years ago as the editor-in-chief of Sowetan. Also part of our conversation is a former journalist and corporate strategist, Opa Nguenya. Opa, what is your view on the freedom of black media in South Africa? It is free to an extent that the journalists can fight for it. Actually, my theory, Chifan, is that while journalism, Facebook, advertising, commercial, uh, Twitter, all of these and films get to be categorized as media, not everything that is media is journalism because journalism has got its own codes as a profession. It is a watchdog. Uh, it must inform it must uh, entertain and educate. But the ethics for, 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 for journalism are quite fundamental. And those ethics are not coming across on all media platforms like Twitter, filmmaking, and so on. So the distinct part that defines journalism, uh, which is assumed to be media, perhaps you can say <laughs> the mother of all media, uh, it's, it's a very important distinguishing factor for us to say, is the media threatened? And specifically, we should say, are journalists uh, threatened? Are journalists taking a, a, a reflective view to see if they themselves are not uh, engaging in certain ethical lapses that lend them to be in uh, on the lap of powerful forces that abuse or uh, misuse them for their own ends? In, in that case, if journalists throw themselves knowingly on the lap of politicians, then they are colluding and therefore bringing the profession into disrepute. And just one last question before we end this podcast. 
What solutions would you suggest in order for us to protect media freedom in South Africa and that all South African media houses are held accountable for its actions? I think uh, days like October 19 are a reminder of a people to say, uh, who am I? What entity am I working for? What are the operating standard procedures and ethics of the entity that I work for? Because even as you work for that media, are you holding the line as a journalist? You would remember that we come from an era where anything that was coming from NN7 was dismissed as a, as Gupta, and therefore anyone who worked there was bundled as a, a Gupta apparatchik. But the mistake we must not do is not is, is not to judge individual journalists, good or bad, depending on where or whom they work for. Because whom they work for is not journalism, it's media entities. So wherever you go, your ethics should not lapse. Your codes should not lapse. You actually must even be independent of the person who owns the media that you work for as a journalist. Thank you to each of you for taking the time to chat with me. And for those listening, please don't forget to browse the rest of our website, www.theafrican.co.za, for more thought leadership views and opinions.